Tony and Mad Max. We are live here. 10, 16 a.m. Saturdays, usually 10 a.m., but we're, we're running late today based on our sleeping yeah. schedule. But that's okay. okay. We're here. A lot to talk about NBA playoffs, the MLB games recent. We'll go over the Mets and the Yankee games. The Mets pulled out a nice one against uh, the Padres last night, and it was a squeaker. Basketball, baseball, you know what? I got a little like movie, a little movie review I got to do. I just a couple days ago, I saw I saw The Conjuring Three. Oh, all, all is is that the movie that you went to see in the theaters when you were telling me about it? No, nah, that was A Quiet Place Two, which was also very good. I saw The Conjuring at someone's house because it's available on HBO Max. And how was so, it? Should we start off with that or should we end with that? Let's start off with that since I brought it up. <laughs> let me let me first stop that. <sighs> Yeah, so um so um the conjuring three, the devil made me do it. Like the first conjuring is always gonna be the best one, and it doesn't really change after this movie. I I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was the change in, in director because it wasn't James Wan that directed this movie, but Wow, because he usually directed all of them. He did all the saws, too. Yeah, it, it just, it felt, it didn't really feel like a regular Conjuring movie. I don't know why, but it was very, it felt a lot like a sinister or an insidious in a way. Like, The Conjuring is all based on true stuff, but they just went back to the cartoony bullshit the over the top the over the top you know jump scares jump scares and like the horror was there it just i don't know man like i feel like after the first one they just feel like that they had to like out they had to outdo themselves the second conjuring was better and it had, it just, it had a little bit more of like the horror factor into it. Mm-hmm. But even that movie was a little like cartoony. They had, well, most horror movies that are based on true events, they do kind of have to add some non-realistic elements to it to make it better. Mm-hmm. That's what they did with the, with the 2005 version of, of Amityville Horror with Ryan Reynolds. And, and you've spoken out against that film before. Remember the whole Indian burial ground, or Indian torture chamber under the house? Now, that was kind of like a theory that that's what they think is what was why the, the house was haunted in the first place. Like, you know, why they think it was demented. That was just like a theory going on because, you know, they, there were a ton of natives on, in, the long, in Long Island back in the back back in the 1600s and stuff so like that was an element that i guess they wanted to add in but again it was over the top it was and they had to and they and they had to add all these different things like i know that this is amityville horror not the conjuring three i get that but i'm just trying to connect the two like in order to make it better they have to sort of stretch the truth a little bit 
add a little something to what really was recorded in 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 real life and i don't know if that really takes away from the horror aspect about it when i feel like you would almost get a creepier more horrific movie if you just would have had your own original idea i guess now i know that back in the 70s and the 60s horror horror mostly i think was fictional stuff i mean i think they had their fair share of like based on true events back then but it was very like sporadic well psycho was based on true events well based on yeah based on like that could be any sort of story about Mm. some psycho killer that runs that that runs a motel you know that could just be from like a from a from a uh a uh, newspaper clipping mm-hmm. that you read from some town. It's like, oh, this man stabbed this person. Oh my God, he was like mentally insane. Like they'll just look that up and be like, oh, that could be a great movie. I just feel like sometimes these horror directors today, man, they're just looking to, they're just looking to add more gore, to add more suspense, to add more of these loud, like, ear sensitive moments and it kind of takes away from from the actual substance of the film because the whole point of the conjuring three was it's all based on a true story but this guy named this guy named arnie johnson mm-hmm. who murders who murders a, 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 a close friend of his and he blames demonic possession and that's and back then, I think the movie takes place, I think, in 1981. Mm-hmm. And in the state that he's in, they they do have the death penalty. And he was up for the death penalty. So that's why he pled demonic possession. Plus, he says it was true. And, you know, I thought that that was what the movie, the movie was going to be all about. And it wasn't? It was just kind of like in the background. It was just mostly about the Warrens, you know, the main two characters, trying trying to discover what is really like going on, which is fine. I mean, that's what you want to see. But the way they went about it, it just completely took a different tangent. It, it involved like a witch's totem, a curse, some like some like demonic woman like like it's just like it, it took a whole different like avenue and just kind of i mean arnie johnson was still was still relevant throughout the movie and eventually in the end he gets off with just manslaughter and just five years in prison which you know goes to show you man he may have like he may have really swayed that um swayed the court system there mm-hmm. but I just, these movies, man, like, I wish it would just stick with one storyline just to go on through. Would you recommend that people go see it? Yeah, go see it. You know why? Because it's still a Conjuring movie, you know, and the Conjuring universe is very, is very expansive. You know, you got Anna, you got the three Annabelle movies, The Nun. um, Now you have three Conjurings. 
I think the curse of La Girona is um is a part of the universe as well. Mm-hmm. I'm not too sure. I'm not a fan of any of those movies, to be honest. Like I said, The Conjuring One. That was, that was good because it was something new. But then when you get 80 freaking paranormal films, when are we going to get back to the slashers? That's the thing. We're never going to. Isn't it refreshing, Tony? Let's say you go see The Conjuring 3 in theaters. Then let's say maybe today you turn on your TV set and you see that Halloween 4 or Friday the 13th is on. You're going to be like, oh, this film is so much better than that crap that I just saw. Like, I think slasher. I think slashers kind of ran their course. I think people understand the formula now, and I think directors don't want to take a huge financial risk in spending a lot of money on a budget on a movie that people are going to be like, well, we kind of have a good idea of where this is going. Horror evolves throughout time. Remember how we we did that podcast of the four episodes? I I explained how... um, how um, cultural influences really impact film. Not just in horror, but in any genre, but in horror, um, you look at what people are going through in terms of what's happening on the news, politics, war somewhere, you know, um, religious influences. I told you that that was a really big thing back in the 20th century the influence on the in the influence from the catholic church and that's where you get your movies like the omen and the exorcist and rosemary's baby like things evolve i don't know if slasher could really survive in this in this day and age it's it would be interesting to see i'll tell you this that halloween is doing well in this age people are still going to see the new halloween films well i think that's more of the michael myers factor it's the character that's that's leading the charge it's not really the type of horror that it is listen man paranormal stuff is always going to be um is always going to be popular um i hate it it's always going to be there always going to be popular i just can't because- stand it because i look at slashers the number one for horror i don't know i think it's just because of the popularization of it, of the eighties, because the eighties tends to be my favorite decade in horror, even though I do like the seventies a lot, but the eighties, you look through the eighties in which I'm reading that book, horror movies of the 1980s with the slashers. That's what, that's what I grew up watching when I was younger. And as a teenager was the Freddies, the Jasons, the Michael Myers. So when I look at that, I look at that as that's true horror cinema. Now Mm -hmm. growing up, actually, in present time, as I tend to live in the past, even though I didn't grow up in the 80s, I wasn't even born until the 90s. Yeah, I'll tell you this, too. I think Slasher could some can somewhat today be kind of, like, kind of laughed at in a way. I, because I'm telling you, people, people already know, they already know the, the, the structure. They can already pick out who's dying. They, 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 you see the characters like, oh, yeah, we already know. Like, the magic is kind of gone with slasher. It really just, I mean, you'll still see them. They'll come out. They'll make slasher films. It's just that I don't think that they'll be as culturally impactful as they were 40 years ago. It just, it's just not going to happen anymore. Most movies today 
there's really not many that could be culturally impactful except for except for Black Panther. Black Panther was probably the most impactful film in the last like I think 10 years. Yeah. Like <laughs> cinema today yeah. is just in a bad place. I I I sit down, I say that all the time. I can't even put together a top five, ten, top ten list of movies that I actually enjoyed from the two thousand twenty tens. Dude, it's because Hollywood originality is dead. It's all gone. I saw it in Conjuring Three, man. Like, there's those moments where you're kind of waiting for something to jump out. You're you're which is fun in in the beginning, but then you're kind of like, okay, like let's like move on here. And you know, it, it just you already you 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 you're, you're you're already accustomed to the way that the movie's gonna go. So, I think people people sort of laugh at it now there's no real horror anymore man it's just it's just jump scares it's like in baseball it's just home runs <laughs> or <laughs> basketball it's just three-point shot like there's no like real horror like real like scary stuff like what's a good movie from back in the day that didn't really have a lot of jump scares but was just really like like scary to watch would you say black christmas something like that yeah although that's a slasher that's an early slasher that was like the introduction to slasher films um one of the introductions to the shining um, the shining yep shining very much though that's a very very good example like something like that where you could feel like you could feel the energy as the movie's progressing along you don't get that anymore man no it's all straight jump scares all jump scares but all in all i would definitely recommend this movie to anybody you could definitely watch it too i don't know if you i don't know i don't know if you, if you have hbo max but no I'm, i don't i'm not gonna go see it in theaters either either i just i have no interest in it what would you rate it let's say out of five stars out of five mm-hmm Three and a half. Real okay. I'm kind of. I'm surprised. Yeah, three and a half. Three and a half stars. Wow. Nothing too big. It's nothing that's. It's nothing to really get excited over. I think that the lack of James Wan really impacted the film. Of, yeah, really kind of hit the film hard. There's that new movie by M. Night Shyamalan called Old. I don't know if you saw the previews no, I, for that. I didn't, I didn't see it. You should definitely go see it, man. Go check the previews. Do you think it's going to really be an actual M. Night Shyamalan hit? Because in my opinion, M. Night Shyamalan hasn't had a good movie since Signs. Oh, yeah. So you, so you, so you didn't like The Village? No. Uh, he's, he's really big on like the twists. Like the sixth sense. The sixth sense was was good. The village. Um, did signs have have have? Did signs have like a twist at the end or not? No. Hmm. Yeah, he's known for like twist endings. On like on like turning the story around, but yeah. 
So Conjuring 3, Devil Made Me Do It. Go and check it out on, on HBO Max or go see it in theaters. So um, uh, let's do well, let's do baseball first and then basketball at the end. I'm sure you have a rant for game three, Nets and Bucks, so. Eh, not really. It's, they weren't going up 3-0. They had a good chance, but it just Bucks are too talented. Nets, they couldn't, like, they just couldn't really do much. But with the baseball, man, like, so, so the Mets won yesterday. Mm-hmm. Jacob, Jacob DeGrom struck out 11 batters in six innings, but I think he left, right? He left He left in the middle. He left at the end of the sixth inning with, what was it, like, like flexor tendonitis or something like that? Yeah, and then they put Castro in, and then he gives up two runs. I said, oh, here we go. This is where Jacob DeGrom's win-loss record just hits the tubes. Hits the tubes? Oh, yeah. Huh. Because that's what really that's what really bothers me, and I was saying this during the game last night. The league just doesn't want to admit that Jacob DeGrom is the best pitcher in the league, and it's all based on his win-loss record, and that's not on him. That's on the no, team. No, it's not. Absolutely not. And you got to figure this team that has a lot of injuries, but they're still grinding out wins here. Mm-hmm. So we'll see what happens with that stuff in the Yankees. I mean, you gotta be kidding me. They blew a save on the, what was it? Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Third in the AL East. No, not Wednesday, Thursday, Thursday. And then like, you said they're third in the AL East. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised at that. Like they, they, they got to get on some big time winning streak here, man. And the, and the offense was waking up in the twin series. So hopefully they could carry that on into Philly tonight. They got two games in Philly and then I think they go to Toronto. Well, to Buffalo to play the blue Jays. So we'll see what happens with that. What do you make of the whole Garrett Cole controversy? That's been making, I think it's a bunch of fugazi bullshit. <laughs> I think that every, I think that it's one of those big, it's an, it's one of the biggest pitfalls of baseball today. Major League Baseball doesn't know how to, how to pick its battles. They really don't. Here you have a league that is bereft of offensive talent. Guys are hitting below, below 200 all over the league. Strikeouts are up. And we're worried about sticky stuff on pitchers. And I get that it's the pitchers that are getting so much better. It's that's affecting the hitters. But, but there's other things that you can do. Like, I had my rant not that long ago. I said the offensive approach in Major League Baseball needs to change. And it's got to start from the little leagues up to the high schools to the colleges, to the minor leagues. That's, and that's, you have to engender a certain, a certain philosophy. The home run or nothing approach is not working. And you can't just have it be changed on the major league level because that's not where you're taught. You've got to do it from the minors to the colleges down. And they're worried about sticky stuff. Something that something that pitchers use all the time, tons of pitchers. So I'm not even really worried about that stuff, dude. It's a bunch of bullshit. I'm sure you were angry when the news broke and how much coverage it's been getting, but 
we understand and we've heard Tony's rant here about that. Let's hope that the Yankees pull together some wins here to get back to where they should be because they're not, they're not doing good, but the Mets, they'll have a game where they'll get blown out by the Orioles, come back the next night and completely demolish them. And then they'll go and beat the Padres. So we got to see how this Padres series plays out. Hope for all these injuries to return. And now we move into the NBA playoffs. The Nets. The Nets. That's right. Yeah. Um, made it close, dude. They lost 86-83. It was a brick fest, dude. Nobody was making shots. But what do you make of the PJ Tucker and KD fight? I thought it was interesting. I don't think that was his personal bodyguard. I think that was like I think that was like a, a Nets official that came in and like and just nearly tackled PJ Tucker out of the way. <laughs> but it wouldn't surprise me. He's such a cupcake. <laughs> but, oh my god! I that can't stand Nets that official. guy. I'm sorry, Tony. Like, I maybe I wouldn't hate the Nets if it wasn't for him because this guy, if that was his personal bodyguard, I mean. What a freaking wuss, that kid. I mean, unbelievable. Yeah, like, so I'm just looking towards game four now. It's a big, it's a, it's a, it's a crucial game. I don't know when Harden's coming back. Um, they need Jeff Green back in there. They, they, they just got to make their shots. <clears throat> make their shots. Hold down Giannis, which is which is which is easier said than done. Hold down Chris Middleton. Chris Middleton knocked down, knocked down thirty five points, had like fourteen rebounds. Like they got they they, they got to hold those two down. I thought the Nets were gonna make a clean sweep after Game Two, no. but I was wrong. No, no, I thought they were because they, that Game Two was just a that was just a blowout. Understand too, man. Like. I said, I said you win the series in six or seven. Mm-hmm. So in order for you to reach that point, the Bucks would have to win two games. Now, game four is really crucial for Brooklyn because you want to go back home with a 3-1 lead. Hopefully that happens. So we'll, we'll wait till tomorrow, man. But um, The Suns look like they're going to be making a sweep. This, oh my God! Talk about how big the loss of Jamal Murray is. Big time for the, for the Nuggets. I mean, he had the MVP in Jokic. Can't even do a thing. His team is terrible around him. Mm-hmm. They're not. They're like all a bunch of bench players. Will Barton, <laughs> like that's not uh, 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 Michael Porter Jr. Like you can't really rely on that stuff. Who, who Knicks fans were screaming for when they drafted Kevin Knox. I mean, six in one hand, half a dozen in the other with those two. Now you got to admit, if the Knicks drafted Michael Porter, that's probably a decent starting point guard. And no Kevin Knox to be seen on your roster. I would have taken that. The thing was, is that why we didn't take him was the back problems that he had. Porter had a lot of injuries in college. He did. He absolutely did. Um, so that's a 3-0 lead for the, for the Suns. They're, pro- they're definitely moving on. So <laughs> that's it for the Nuggets. I mean, you got to be kidding me. Team has the MVP, and 
man, just like an injury like that to Murray just is devastating. But, it's killed this team. So um, the Clippers, the Clippers against the Jazz. I don't think they're being the Jazz, to be no. honest with you. Donovan Mitchell is outplaying Kawhi and Paul George single-handedly. So I'm guessing you're looking at a Western Conference Finals now as, a, as it goes on, as Jazz versus Suns, which is pretty good, you know? Jazz and of versus course you Suns. Have, and of course, you have the Sixers and the Hawks, and the Sixers take a 2-1 lead. They're winning that series. Yeah, thank God. Put, get Trey Young back to Atlanta. Send him back. I can't stand that guy. My God, can you imagine when the Knicks play play the Hawks next next season? In, oh, in I, the I hope they're ready, and I hope that they actually acquire a real star player, a real star player. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm not talking a Julius Randle star player who chokes in the playoffs. I'm talking one that actually scores and dominates, like a Damian Lillard. Mm. Exactly what I'm talking about. Man, oh man! But if so I had to say, I guess Knicks aren't getting a big player. So that's so that's the stuff with the NBA. Um, yep. So we did the Conjuring Three review. Major League Baseball ran through, and also the NBA. How about some Jets talk? Yeah, I'll do a little bit of Jets to 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 cap it off for today. I heard Elijah Moore is shining in the OTAs. Imagine if he catches for like. A thousand yards this season. Talk about a jump. Uh, <laughs> Talk about Joe Douglas being like the best GM the Jets have oh, had. In no, no, I'm not ready to say that yet. Not after that Julio Jones trade. I need your opinion on that. Joe Douglas never coming in for that sweet trade in which they could get a star player like Julio Jones at a low price. Well, he saw. Well, he has a ton of money on him. He's old, injury prone. I only thought of it as like, well, why not at least call and take a chance? But when you look at it, you're like, yeah, he's kind of on, on, on the downturn of his career, but he's still incredible. They could use him. It's a veteran presence. I mean, why not for a fourth-round draft pick this year and a sixth year after? Like, who cares? I know, but I think a guy like Hope Jones is good, for like, is good for like a win now team like Tennessee. I think it's perfect. Jets are too young. I don't think they're ready to win yet. I really don't. They have a rookie quarterback. Like, they have the weakest roster in that division. Probably the weakest roster in the league. I don't know about uh, weaker than the the, um, Houston Texans. No. No, no, that's not. Okay, so they have the second weakest roster. Oh, my goodness. Well, because it's all rookies, it's all draft picks, man. Like, uh, And I said this, man. I said that that's not good. I said you want to have a young team, but the fact that it's all rookies, that they're all inexperienced, you need some veteran presence on there. And they still they still haven't brought in a veteran corner yet. Have not. Uh, it's it's unbelievable. So you're going to rely on two rookie quarter, cornerbacks that haven't proven a damn thing on the field. Unbelievable. I mean, their left side of the of the offensive line is a sophomore Becton and 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 a rookie and a rookie Vera Tucker. You know, it's all it's the young players up and down. Frank Gore is gone. Le'Veon Bell's gone. There's uh, 
I guess your veterans are probably Jamison Crowder. And um, I can't even tell, like, I guess Mosley. Yeah, Mosley is as a linebacker. But everybody else, and Marcus May, too, I guess, is a veteran. He's, he's been around a while. Yeah, so May, Mosley, and, and, and Crowder. Like, I, I don't count Chris Herndon. Chris Herndon is a non-factor. I don't care if he's a rookie or if he's a freaking veteran for 10 years. He's a non-factor. He stinks. I mean, we talk about a total bust, that guy. His first year, they're like, oh, the Jets have find, found their tight end. And then just when you think it's safe that we actually have a tight end, you go back and you see what he does in the second year. Absolutely nothing. Ryan Griffin outshines him completely. And then Ryan Griffin disappears the year after that. Yeah, they, their tight end situation needs to get wrapped up. Yeah, and and again, Joe Douglas, hey, can probably give up a third-round pick and maybe a little bit more for Zach Ertz. Will he do it? No, because he stinks. I'm sorry. I'm not ready to crown this guy King GM yet. I'm, I'm not ready. Let's see how these draft picks turn out this year because I'll tell you what, the picks last year didn't turn out. But Becton, it was a no-brainer. We say that every time. I'm hoping for a big year from Mims, too. I'm hoping – because that's another Douglas draft pick. Denzel Mims has got to be the leader of this offense at some point in the next five years. You can't have it any other way. I mean, the guy wide out receiver with that height, let's let's go. Let's go. <laughs> become AJ Green, please. Like become somebody that that the Jets can rely upon for the next for the next 10 to 15 years. I'll tell you what, this Jets team is building chemistry, going to all the Islander games and getting all the memes and attraction at the Islander That's games. That's a bunch of eyewash crap. I don't care about where you go. I don't care if you guys go to the same doctor's offices to get to get your checkups done. I don't care. Play on the field. And guess what, man? None of it matters who's, who's on the roster, who's on the field, if your coach can't call plays that's, that's why I'm not, you, you want to see robert sala you already want him off the team <laughs> i would not know I, I just want to see this guy coach a game i don't care how loud he gets at the press conferences oh well he's a he's a grand uniter bullshit uniter you think any coach goes into their new job trying to trying to trying to divide the locker room every except for gays except for gays <laughs> Even Gase in his first press conference was trying to be a, a uniter. But all because Robert Sala yells and throws his fist down? Please. Don't forget he's wearing an Islander jersey in his latest press conference. Guess what? Call, call, a, call a third and 12, a third and 12 play. Convert the first down, then I'll be happy. Good point. Jets never, they always uh, three and out. Can you convert on third and long? Can you, can you utilize the clock properly? Time management, dude. Can you put in the right people? Can you establish a good, a good running game? Can you put plays for Zach Wilson? That'll help him, you know, that'll help him throw, throw the ball downfield with, with accuracy. That's something that we never saw with Darnold, down the field with accuracy. Never no. did. No, I, I don't care what anyone says. I mean, this guy, he still did not – he still doesn't 
you saw what happened on this week on Twitter. He was making some yeah. noise on Twitter. He was saying that he's going to decide in his own right what's best for him if he's going to get the vaccine or not. Hmm. Well, to each their own, man. I think he'll eventually get it. I doubt it. He's, I can't stand this guy. I'm but, so glad he's off the team. I don't miss him. I don't care if he goes and has a winning season with the Panthers. I don't miss this guy. Because mm-hmm. it wasn't going to happen here. No, it didn't. It, 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 it wasn't. We saw. I saw that from the beginning with this guy. Just not only only based on him, because I thought he was overrated as hell coming out of college. I look at the coaching around him. Just wasn't premier enough. Sorry. Mm-hmm. But let's wrap this up here, man. So um, my socials, my Instagram is at T A N O O C H nine six. Once again, at T A N O O C H nine six. That's right. And you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at the real max T H E R E E L M A X. Once again, T H E R E E L M A X. You could check out all of our previous episodes on this YouTube channel here, sports and hip hop with DJ mad max, as well as the website, maxgoglin.com. You could check us out on every podcast platform, IR radio, Apple podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean. We are there, you know, go to check out the Tony and mad max show. We are live on Saturday mornings, 10 a.m. If we're not here at 10 a.m., we're 100 percently here at 10:15 a.m. Based on our alarm clocks and our sleep schedule. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's pretty much it. All righty, guys. It. So, thank you guys for tuning in, and we'll see you guys next week. Don't forget, wear a mask if it's required. Wash your hands. Be safe and get your vaccine, please. When it's your time. So long. So long.